Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Do you ever feel frustrated? Well, your dog does. Frustration occurs when an animal is interrupted in reaching their goals. Unfortunately, this occurs all too often in the modern world when a dog's goals do not align with those of their human companion. This can be a source of distress for both you and your dog, but it can also lead to the development of problem behaviors and can damage the relationship that you have with your dog. But we have answers for you. Join us for a two-day in-person seminar October 5th and 6th with instruction by Daniel Shaw. Daniel Shaw is an animal behaviorist with a background in animal behavior, psychology, and neuroscience. He will be talking about what frustration is and how it can be identified, the difficulty of conventional approaches in resolving frustration, what influences the value of rewards, as well as supporting frustrated dogs and building frustration tolerance. You can buy early bird tickets now until August the 5th, and be sure that you join us for our pre-seminar social Friday evening where you can meet Daniel and the Dog Speak team. We look forward to seeing you October 5th and 6th in Nashville, Tennessee for the Neuroscience of Resolving Frustration in Dogs seminar. Hello, Dog Speak Geeks. What the hell no, was No, start that? that over. That was weird. <laughs> I don't know. I think I'll just leave it in there. What the hell was that? I don't he- know. Hello. hello. <laughs> what up, Dog Speak Geeks? This isn't Tales from the Crypt. I don't know. Mother- it's, it's spooky season, man. <laughs> it's September. It's spooky season. As I told my Cairo today, um, Halloween is year-round for me. Um, October 31st is for tourists. You take that to heart. That is your lifestyle. Halloween is your lifestyle. Halloween is my lifestyle. Spooky season is all year. Love it, love it, love it, love spooky season. Um, Just a couple announcements today. We have um, the communication seminar, the last one of the year, live, will be September the 27th. So it's, no, yes. No, October. Oh my goodness, October. (laughs) See, I feel like I'm already, I don't know. October 27th. That's so weird for me to do one in October. But October 27th. But you did. I did. Is a communication seminar at the farm at Natchez Trace. And then we have our dog interaction seminar, which piggybacks off the dog communication seminar. That's going to be November the 10th. We have, this is the only interaction seminar we're doing this year. Mm -hmm. So if you guys, if you've done the communication seminar and you want to do the interaction seminar, sign up. But you do really need to have the communication seminar so that you don't get so lost in the interaction seminar. You can still do the interaction seminar without the communication, but I promise you'll get more out of it if you do communication first. Well, you get uh, you can get the communication online. Yes, you can also get it online if that's what you need as well and watch it there. And so I we, we may try to um, record this one like we did the communication one and have mm-hmm. it on as well just kind of keep an eye out for god that, willing and the creek yeah. don't rise amen to that so i know that people want that but the interaction seminar is really all about how dogs interact during play um but 
and the types of play, but we really talk a lot about altercations because I think that's the biggest fear people have is the altercations. I think that like the first time I saw that seminar, because I had a multi-dog household mm-hmm. and they weren't, they weren't fighting. No. But I recognized after that seminar, like issues that could arise. Right. Based on communication plus interaction. Yes. So. Yeah. Because for me, I think like if you know communication and you can do a lot as far as avoiding altercations during interaction. But I realized that a lot of people are very uncomfortable the way the dogs interact in general. Mm -hmm. And so. I think that that's why the interaction seminar is uh, so so good for certain people. I mean, I have some people who absolutely just stress when they see dogs interact, and and I I I'd like to see people educate themselves so they're not fearful. But I also understand that some people have PTSD between yeah. with dog fights and um, you know if you've ever seen a bad dog fight and there's been serious injury, it's not a pleasant thing. You know, I mean, I've seen my share and dealt with it with clients and daycare and things of that. But I I really do think it's an important one. But that's really all the announcements other than what are you guys doing? (laughs) What are you guys doing? Because all I know is that I'm not seeing nearly enough orders for our new drinkware. Is that what I I thought you were going somewhere? I was not Um, because we're getting our new logos our new podcast bum, bum, bum. Boom, boom, logo. We're going to be getting our new stickers in for that. Um, and those will be going on our cups as well. So if you order a cup or wine, stimulus wine glass or a koozie, and you're supporting the podcast, you're going to get that podcast sticker. It's going to be on that cup. So you need to order that. Order it now. You know what? Pause, pause the episode right now. Go to dogspeak101.com. Is it on shop? We got a shopping page. We have a whole we shop. Have a whole shop. Yeah. I don't do the website, y'all. It's a multi. Y'all haven't figured that one out. Multi-tiered. I'm shop. doing. I'm doing Instagram, TikTok. That's enough. Not and like podcast. Not like pyramid scheme. Multi-tiered. It's just we have different shops. We have yeah because we have <laughs> we have a shop that you can buy things from that is a kind of on demand. We don't have to keep stock in. But if you buy anything for the podcast to support the podcast. Y'all, that's coming directly from us. You're not only going to get an awesome product, you're going to get a personal note signed by Brittany and myself. I just thought about that. Just thought about that right this minute. Have you ever thought about working for QVC? You know, if they would have me, I'd go on and sell my wear. I feel like (laughs) you'd be good at it. For two minutes. Two minutes we're having a a flash sale. Two minutes. Call now. Do we have a caller online? Are, are you going to mention our classes coming up next week? Oh, see, I was like, what are our, what are all of our things? We have nose work classes that are coming up. Those are going to be on Tuesday evenings. Those are very limited availability. We only have four spots that we will take. Um, we still have three open spots that will start here in the next couple of weeks. We were supposed to start this week. Weather's not good, and we don't have enough signed up because, well, I forgot to promote it, y'all. Um, I'm going to just admit it. I forgot Re- to promote it. Yes, because the nose work is something new we're doing, and we did one class before my surgery. Yeah. So it just hadn't been in my head. That's all. But we also have, for most of our listeners are not local, we are having our online 
reactive dog workshop that starts in a couple of weeks. Yep. So we have working spots where you'll be required to do homework or you can just audit. So check the website out for that. Um, that's all online. It meets once a week. It's great. You guys will love it. It was a really good one that we had last time. So I'm excited that about was that fun. one. Yeah, I think this, I just really enjoy it. Um, it's a lot of fun. All right, so that's what I got for that. Do you have anything else? No, that's all. That's it. Ooh, do we need to, we don't have anything else to talk about. Cool. No. All right, what are we talking about today? Uh, we're talking, <laughs> I think we've done a Mythbusters We have done a Mythbusters episode in the past. Yes. But this one is not just a Mythbusters, as in like, common things you hear from trainers or other dog parents um this is also how nikki has changed over the years so if you just started listening to our podcast and you started at episode one and you're here now things have changed things have changed but i'm not going to delete all those or if you are a longtime listener you probably already have seen some evolution y'all there's a tick there's a tick crawling on me Oh, that's awesome. So, oh, <laughs> really, sorry. All right. I took my dog hiking. So, yeah, I have, and the thing is, is this: I really do believe you have to continue to grow in your in your business, and as a professional, twenty seven years, I've done a lot of different techniques. I've done a lot of. I've looked at things differently. But the more, the more studies that are coming out, when I started, there were no studies. Nobody was studying dog behavior that was at least not really available. I've been dying for this type of information for 20 years plus. But now that we're getting more studies to truly understand with dog and dog development, I am finally able to, to some things kind of say, yes, I've been doing it that way because this ended up, this is what I thought and it ended up being correct. But there are other things that I'm like, well, that's not a good way to do that mm-hmm. now that we have more studies. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I think today, is, I think this is going to be a good episode on really what has changed and why. And I'd tell you the reason I added in the myth is because our communication seminar about a month ago, we I had somebody ask me about... Um, the walking mm-hmm. because they believed the dog had to be in a heel mm-hmm. because if the dog walked in front of them then the dog was in charge and I thought it is 2023 is that still believed yep for sure and that's why I thought we need to do an episode I let my dog walk in front of me so she can pull me up heels while we're hiking amen to that <laughs> I'm kidding she's too small for that <laughs> Yeah, she's too small for that. She's a delicate little baby. She wouldn't be curious. So, yeah, so that's what we're going to talk about. And then hopefully there'll be some action items on here somewhere that... Oh, for sure. No, there are going to be action items. There are? Okay. I love that we're doing a Mythbusters episode and you're wearing a Bigfoot hat. I am. Believe, man. Believe. I love it. Believe. Because you know I'm all about some Sasquatch. Hey, I've enjoyed this. This has been a fun hat today. I love it. I love it. All right. So, shall we get started with the myths? Let's do it. The common myths. Yeah, let's start there. All right. I'm going with your list. And there are some on here that... I didn't even add everything, I'm pretty sure. I have never heard of. Okay. So, uh, this first one, obviously. Yes, we get this one a lot. Um, about walking in a heel. Like, the that a dog 
has to be if you're walking a dog on a leash or even off leash they have to be in the heel position because otherwise they're in charge well i mean i I don't know (laughs) i mean people may have different reasons maybe it's a convenience or a safety thing for some people but i think it was originally taught as you know i'm the human i'm the alpha yep you do it was it was taught as an obedience yeah for obedience but i think that the thought process was that if your dog's not walking next to you they're automatically pulling and that's not the case that's not the truth oh correct right yeah but i think that's probably why the heel really became so popular and i don't know for a fact i I didn't go and do research on the heel but i'm just assuming from especially when i hear people i still to this day get people asking me you know, does my dog need to walk next to me? Or I've been training my dog to walk next to me because mm-hmm. they believe that that's the only way to do it and that's what has to happen. And the fact of the matter is that, no, um, where your dog walks is not does not kind of validate what relationship you have. Right? Yeah. So it's like, yeah, just because your dog is walking next to you doesn't mean he sees you as the upper management. Mm-hmm. Just because your dog walks... Did I say in front of you or did I say beside you? I think you, no, I, I, I you said beside I was, you. I think I'm already thinking ahead. <laughs> Your brain is like going real fast right now. It is because I'm thinking about all these things. So the dog, where the dog walks is not dependent on the relationship you have with your dog. How's that? Mm-hmm. The way your dog walks. It doesn't define the relationship. It doesn't define your relationship. There you go. Yeah. Um, it does help if the dog is walking nicely with you more than likely no matter where the dog's walking in front behind beside you if the dog's walking nicely with you then it it sounds like your communication is open you're understanding each other you've taught your dog this is what i'd like for you to do this is what i'd like to see instead of just automatically saying hey let's just you have to walk next to me Mm -hmm. and there's a few problems with this number one Trying to get a young dog to walk next to you is difficult because the dog, that is a very difficult task for young dogs who have never even learned to be attached to a leash, attached to a human. To me, that's more of an advanced walk. And it's also something that you don't really need unless you're in tight spots or you're doing a lot of city walks. Or you're showing a dog. Or you're showing, or even, even if you're showing a dog, they're not healing. Showing oh, is I only thought, happening in obedience. Oh, I thought they had to be in a heel. No, like... they just run beside them. Oh. So in, in obedience, they have to have a heel, a focused heel. But we're not talking obedience hmm. here. And, and let's be real. For me, when I look at obedience um, competition with dogs, somebody better ask the dog if they actually want to be doing that. Because who gets the ribbon? The handler, even if it says yay dog, the handler gets the ribbon. So if we're doing obedience competition, let's make sure the dog is enjoying it, please. We don't want to stress the dog out all for the sake of a blue ribbon. Yep. <laughs> You're welcome. You just did that. 
I did. No, everybody's like, I don't get it. Inserted it. I inserted a Sorted Lives, and if you've not watched Sorted Lives, go see it now. Oh it's an old, old, old movie, but it's so good with Leslie Jordan, Delta Burke. Anyway, one of the lines in there is for the you, sake of a dang blue ribbon. You just pulled that out. I've not been able to use I can't that one. Believe, that's the first time you've used it. Because I use most of those in lines every 13 day. 13 years. I know. Or 12 years. That's impressive. Good job, Ben. So, yeah. So, I think that that really it's too difficult. I think we need to first teach a dog how to be attached to a human, and a human needs to learn how to be attached to a dog. Because it's not just a one-way street. Mm-hmm. You walk fine without your dog. Your dog walks fine without you. It's when you guys get attached that that's the problem. And like getting into a three-legged race. Do y'all remember three-legged races, right? Oh, my God. My dad smashed my face into a wall in our gym during a three-legged race, but we won. But he wasn't communicating, was it? He was just pulling you along. Yep. And that wasn't fun, was it? No. See, and that's what a lot of times what we do... We may not pull our dogs along, but we hold them back, right? And we think we're trying to teach them to heal. But the bottom line, it's all about communication. I think that dogs need to learn how to walk with you, whether that is um, a relaxed walk or a more um, tight-knit walk. I hate to use the word heal. Um, I think that we just have to to look at what our lifestyle looks like and what our dog's lifestyle looks like and teach the appropriate skills for our lifestyle, not automatically assuming that every dog needs a heel. Well, so I sort of think about it as like, say you're at, you're in an open field with your kid and you can see them. You can see like all around the field. There's no one else there. It's vast. And they run ahead of you and you're like, yeah, go ahead. Like, go for it. That's awesome. You do you, boo. But then you're walking across the street and you're like, hold my hand. We're crossing a street. Like, so you're with me. Right? So, I mean, I think that's like the whole upper management thing that we talked about. Yeah, because... A million times before. Right, because we know better. We know that that car will hit you and kill you. Yeah. The dog does not. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just really about communication and here is another thing that I want to just bring up with the leash because especially with I want to hopefully you and I can get to that conversation of you and Isabella today but we need to make sure we're not just teaching our dogs to be responsive to us when attached to a leash Mm -hmm. we and and even if you have that fear of off leash yeah like I do like you do right (laughs) You're going to be better off finding ways to give your dog that freedom. Um, But obviously, use that leash to help teach that freedom. So whether I'm using a a 6-foot leash, an 8-foot leash, a 20-foot leash, a 30-foot leash, I'm still using the same words based on what I need. If I need my dog next to me, I use a with me. I teach that. And I teach my dog to walk both left and right side because the dog needs to be able to change positions and sides as needed so they need to feel confident that they can change sides um, because that the whole curve and avoiding um, scary things and triggers but also uh, there are going to be times where your dog can't walk on the left or can't walk on the right and they'll need to switch sides Um, but but mostly I would say that especially for us 90% of our walks me and as far as Myers and I 90% of our walks is very free and open 
there's only that 10% I need him a little bit closer to me and they're for very short periods of time. Mm -hmm. So again, just look at whatever lifestyle you have with your dog and teach the words that you need, but just know you do not have to teach a heel, right? I teach a very simple walk with me, don't pull, don't trip and keep up. Those are my rules. Yeah. So there you go. Okay. There you go. All right, your next one, your next myth is that you have to go through a door or threshold before your dog does. And this one is still around. I, I've been hearing this one lately. But, well, okay. No, you didn't do this one. Never mind. This is not one you used to do. I know. Absolutely did I not. No, you do door control. I do door control. I don't care who goes through the door first. But I do want you to teach your dog permission to go through doors. Mm-hmm. And again, I think that part of why this rule was kind of there was, one, humans were dying for some type of leadership. Um, And I think whoever came up with that was like, I go first because I'm in charge. I don't think that's leadership. I think that's... I know it's not. Legit, just dominance. I know. But also the majority of trainers way back in the day when these myths started, no offense, guys, but were men. So it's like, I go first. Maybe it comes from a place of protection. It comes from a place of maybe a little bit of alpha mentality. I'm not going to say everybody that did that had that mentality. I'm not doing it. You know where it comes from. And it's funny that you, that I'm the one being very open and not being that. And you're calling me on that one because normally I would be like, he's just a man, just wants to be in charge, thinks he's all tough and all that. And he's got a small little pee pee. And you'd be like, Nikki, don't say that. But no, now it's totally opposite. Look at that. I'm trying to be better. No, I'm just talking about culturally, like speaking, when we think about like toxic, toxic masculinity. Yeah. That tracks. Yes, that don't. Yes, that does track for that. Yes. For being the head of every and, and thinking about, you know, when you started training, the majority of trainers were male. Mm hmm. And. They had, we've talked about this before, they had the dominant mentality. Absolutely. Many still do. Um, And, you know, there's an ego aspect to that as well, but, and just wanting to control something. So it's not about leadership, it's about control. More than likely. I I do think that, I'm I'm not going to say 100%. Well, no, nothing is 100%. Right, nothing is 100%. But I would say that a lot of this, I think that again, Going through doors first was this control factor, absolutely, to make the human feel better. But I think it was also put in as a safety measure that if you go first, then a dog's not darting out and running into traffic. For me, you going first teaches nothing to the dog to not bolt out the door Mm -hmm. into traffic, right? So I'd rather have door control, which is basically threshold, where the dog learns that we just don't cross certain thresholds without permission, um, it's funny, I was going through some old videos the other day, and I had a video of us in the condo mm-hmm. where um, I was out cleaning my truck, and Dan and Jake had the door open. Dan and Jake were at the door, Gemma, Indy, they were all just in the front <laughs> patio and <laughs> the door, and I was there. just doing door control, and the, they just sat there and watched me until I released them, and they came out and jumped in the truck, like good little puppies. That's awesome. But I, that's what I was thinking about is, that is what I mean as far as door control. Being able to walk out your door... Without your dog bolting past you, neighbors, friends, guests, being able to come in and out your door without your dog bolting, but also 
without having to tell your dog no stop wait sit stay because if you depend on a sit stay for door control it will fail you because there's going to be a time where you're not going to say sit stay and the dog's going to think oh well I guess I can go because nobody told me to sit stay and I like door control and the fact of I'm a human don't trust my brain just wait until I give you permission yeah but that also includes every barrier car doors crate door Mm -hmm. if they go to the bathroom with me and I actually close the door when I open it back up I say (laughs) okay give them permission to go through front doors back doors gates We've had our back gate open a couple of times with storms. Didn't know it. Let the dogs out. Yeah, and Isabella's like, I'm not going Nobody went there. through it. And that's what I mean about this should not be taught as a leadership or an upper management, but safety. Mm-hmm. It's all about safety. So, yeah, you do not need to go through the door first. I don't care who goes first. As long as you're giving your dog permission, let them go first if they want to. Just make sure you're working on that door control. Um, And I know probably a lot of people are like, well, what do you normally do with door control? This is one that I don't use a lot of words for. I use the action of the door Mm -hmm. to where my dog can be standing, whatever. I'm just opening the door regular. And if they start to go, I close. Don't hit the dog in the head or the the paw. And I just close it until they back up and then I open again. And that action alone, they're learning action-wise what makes what they have to do to get the action that they want, which is that door open. And they're going to learn a little bit faster in that. And I don't make it too hard in the beginning. And sometimes I'll just open the door and say, okay, and let them go. Yeah. It's just teaching that that okay is very important. Do we have video of this on the website? Um, No, but you know what? Our neighbor just got two new puppies. So we're going to (laughs) be using them uh, to train some things, to show some new stuff. So French Bulldogs, three-month-old pups. So we're going to probably be using them to show some of these things so i'll definitely be putting some shorts like that on tiktok gray is in charge of youtube and he likes to go much more detailed i mm-hmm. just do my shorts on tiktok but um yeah we need to do that one with the frenchies for sure all right this next one i've never heard of in my life really i've never heard that you're supposed to eat before your dog okay so this well, isn't this is an old one i don't it's old is it still around? I've never heard of it. I've only heard it a few times from my older clients that have worked with a trainer in the past, way in the past. Okay. And the thought process. So maybe on this it, one's. I'm hoping died. it's gone. I'm hoping it's dead and gone. <laughs> okay. I think the premise of this back in the day when people really thought that dogs were just straight up descendants from wolves, that the alpha wolf would eat first, and what was ever left over would be for the rest of them Mm -hmm. so I think that's kind of where it came from of you have to eat your dog needs to see you eating before they eat so they know you're in charge but dogs are not straight up descendants from wolves so that that is one of those things that no you don't need to eat before your dog my dog would never eat if he had to wait on me because I don't eat much I've never heard this and when I do eat it's typically like I'll drink a lot of protein shakes so dog be like, I, yeah, whatever. I, and I do think that some people do it just out of convenience. There's nothing wrong with feeding your dog first. Nothing wrong with feeding your dog while you're eating. There's nothing wrong with feeding your dog after you've eaten as a family. It does not matter. I do like that if I have, say I have a, a younger puppy 
that when we sit down to eat, we are, um, you know, having problems with the puppy coming over, maybe putting paws up on the table, begging, jumping in laps, things like that. Then I would spend, use that time to also feed my dog. But I would be giving them something like a snuffle mat, a frozen stuff, topple. Mm -hmm. So that they're actually getting their meal while the family's eating. And that can avoid a lot of things. And the dog can just learn that, hey, I have my own stuff over here. Yeah. I don't need to be over there. Got some enrichment. Yeah. So I, I just think that that's not one that, you know, is definitely, is not, the bottom line is your dog doesn't know about leadership or follower. All they know is, do you have my goods? Mm-hmm. Can I get my goods from you? Can I count on you to be the same? Can I count on you to help me understand this world I don't understand? Right? There's just, they don't see things like we humans try to interpret it. All right. What's that next one? Okay. So it says, um, if your dog doesn't do X, Y, Z, they're not really trained. Oh, yeah. And I think this comes a lot from um, like the AK, like the good citizenship. The canine good citizen. Yeah. yeah. Um, because the things you have listed here are like test items that they are, are and that's where i came from <laughs> um it's funny because i found my all my real life rover mm-hmm. stuff today when i was going through some old um hard drives i found oh, all my wow. real life rover okay. certification um i will tell you more guys about that i think i'm going to relaunch that in 2024 mm-hmm. but for me i have a problem with like the canine good citizen test because it is a simple pass or fail and it asks your it asks for the dog to be able to do things to deem it a canine good citizen and i don't think that's fair mm-hmm. for an example i don't think that strangers should be allowed to come and pet your dog if it's not appropriate i don't think yeah. that a dog who doesn't want to be petted by strangers should be deemed untrained unsociable or not good in the the environment not safe to be in the environment right so i have a problem with that i have a problem with leaving your dog in a stay and being out of sight for one to two minutes when is that really going to happen most stays are you're there with the dog if you do have to be out of sight it's probably not going to happen that not going to be that long I just think that we need to stop thinking that every dog is going to be the same and that they have to do X, Y, and Z in order to be considered a good dog. Our Real Life Rover certification tests not only the dog but the handler, and we have different levels. So that if you have a shy dog who has had an abusive past and they don't trust strangers but they're really good in public, that dog should have the ability to be deemed a good citizen. Yeah. If the handler is good at, at protecting them. Yeah. So I have a real problem it's to like say. It's like a two-way street. Yeah. Like, your dog doesn't heal, not trained. Your dog can't uh, be told by someone else to sit and lay down, then your dog's not trained. Look, I'm sorry, but if you don't have a relationship with my dog, my dog has no reason to listen to you. Mm-mm. None. And they're not obligated to. They are not obligated <laughs> to listen to you because you have no relationship with them. Yeah. It's not picking up a remote control and pushing a button. Well, some of you trainers, uh, there are some trainers out there that do just pick up a remote and push buttons. But it's about developing relationships so that your dog understands that when you're asking them to do something, 
then there must be a reason and you're not just doing it. And that's another thing that I, that's making me go into a little rabbit hole here is that where people try to train their dog every day and they go through like the routines of sit, down, stay, come, walk, touch, down, place, stay, here. I mean, I, there's so many things that you like run through this routine. Don't do that. You run through a routine, the dog's going to be like, look, you can only practice so much. At some point, we need to take this to the real world. Can we do this in the real world? So can we practice for the real world? You've got to learn to start practicing for the real world and not just killing your dog by command, command, command. Because let me tell you something. The more you ask your dog to do something that serves no purpose, the less they're going to listen to you. Hmm. Period. That makes sense. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's, and because also I think a lot of people think that the dog has to be able to do all those things in order to be considered well-behaved. But I can tell you, I've seen dogs that know 20 different commands, but left unchecked or no one drilling them, they're, they're not good dogs as far as manners. Because those sorts of things sort of become like a, like a dance routine. Absolutely. It does. And it's not indicative of what the dog knows or who they are. It's just you memorize the choreography. Exactly. And it, and here's a great way to know if your dog knows a command or if they know choreography. Most people will do a sit, good boy, down, good boy. Mm-hmm. So if, you really want to know if your dog knows something. Instead of asking your dog to sit, ask your dog to down. If they don't, after you've asked them a couple of times, then they don't understand down without sit. So sit has become a part of the cue for down. So then you can't be getting pissed off at your dog when you take them somewhere, ask them to lay down, and they're looking at you like, what? You didn't ask me to sit first. I don't understand yeah. what you're asking. It becomes like a chain. It becomes a chain behavior or even a chained or I won't say a chain, but a whole sentence of commands <laughs> in order to get one behavior. Man, I remember when I was in ballet, we would be rehearsing and um, our instructor would like, like we'd run through it, whatever. Then our instructor would start the music at a random spot to see if we knew <laughs> where we were supposed to be and what we were supposed to be doing at that spot. Brilliant. Man. Brilliant. Like, the, like we just run into each other because mm-hmm. we're like, what the fuck? Right. Like, what did she just do? And, you know, I mean, when you're getting ready for a performance, right? Like, you know, it made sense yeah. why she was doing it. But, yeah, like, your dog's not thinking that way. They're, mm-hmm. we, we were programmed, right? Like, right. Like, this note we do this this is our this is our place on stage this is you know i mean and so when she mixed it up we were all like well it's funny because we sort of like crumbled whenever i was doing theater you would you'd learn your lines Mm -hmm. but your line would be prompted by someone else's line so if they forgot their line you better hope that you knew your lines well enough that you didn't have to be prompted by someone else yeah um, and I think that's a lot of times same thing that happens in dog training, right? The dog's like, I'm sorry, you didn't prompt me, so I don't know what to do. Yeah. I don't. And exactly. Instead of let's teach them from the get go to think on their own, 
and to be responsive to the words we're asking, not because we've set it up correctly. Because when you're doing your training, I actually tell people, stop doing training sessions, right? I mean, yeah, there are certain times we may need to go work on something, but stop just everyday training sessions of going through routines. Because yeah. the dog's going to learn the routine, but the dog is not going to really learn the behavior. And then you're going to get a false sense of security. And then you're going to get really pissed off when you get your dog out of that environment where you practiced this rehearsal or, you know, you rehearsed, then the dog's going to be very confused. So let's stop doing that. What were we talking about? <laughs> I went, I just went, what was the original? I just went. We were starting with like good citizen. Okay. Like yeah. routines. I, and... Yeah. Guys, here's the thing. Your dog needs to learn how to live in your world. Not my world. Not Brittany's world. Not your neighbor's world. Not your grandmother's world. Not the dog that you grew up in their lifestyle world. Your dog needs to learn how to live in your world that you're living in right now. If you live in the city and you live in an apartment and your dog has to go out onto sidewalks into a, a park to potty, then you're going to want better leash walking skills than I do when I'm living in rural areas. That doesn't make my dog bad and it doesn't make your dog better than my dog. Your dog has different skills for the needs. Mm-hmm. Don't let anyone tell you that the dog has to do X, Y, and Z in order for it to be a good dog. I do think that dogs need to have good problem-solving skills. They need to have good resilience. They need to have good impulse control. They need to have confidence. They don't need to have a heel that's so perfect because that's more about you, not about the dog. Yeah. Okay. All right. I just ran on that one. Was that all the myths and that we had that was marked the, on that? That was all the myths. I mean, but that kind of leads into, I have, again, I've changed a lot over the years. And some of these things, in, when I first started, I believed in some of these myths. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was, I've been doing this 27 and a half years. So that was 26 and a half years ago that I believed in those myths. Yeah. Um, or even 27 years I believed in those myths. But there are definitely, just understand that, that don't be looking at everybody else's dog to wonder what your dog should be doing. Talk to a professional. I usually ask my clients, what do you need from your dog? What is your lifestyle like? What's important to you? What are some of the top five or 10 behaviors that you feel like your dog must do for you? Not what social media is telling you, not what other trainers are telling you, not what neighbors are telling you, whatever the Mm -hmm. case may be. It's definitely a um, individual deal Mm -hmm. and it needs to be. And We need to look at the genetics of the dog and be realistic about those expectations. Not change the subject. No, okay, Kathy. But we're going to change the subject. My mother does that all the time. We're going to talk about the evolution of Nikki. Oh, the evolution of Nikki. As a trainer. Okay, good. Not personal. Probably a short, uh, Um, that'd be a short podcast. Ah, no, I wouldn't. Nah, it wouldn't be short. All right. Let's do it. Let's do it. So a lot of you have heard, not just heard Nikki talk about timeouts, but you've gotten the timeout handout. It's probably saved on your computer somewhere. You may have printed it out. It's probably on your fridge. I don't know. Maybe it's on your dog's crate. But tell us, Nikki, how has your attitude changed about timeouts? All right. So I still use timeouts, but... 
I look at them differently and I have called them something different because my motivation of using it is different. Before my motivation of using timeout was as a punishment for not listening. All right, I'm asking you to do something that you're not doing. So as an example, let's go back in the day where I would do, will you sit? Because that's whatever, I hate that, but sit's a common one. If I ask a dog to sit, they didn't sit. I'd ask them again, sit. If they didn't sit, I would take and put them in their crate for about 15 seconds just to say, if you don't sit when I ask you, then you're not going to be with me, right? So you lose the privilege of being with me. That's the consequence of not responding to sit mm-hmm. was you lost the privilege of being with me. So you'd go in the timeout, you'd come back out, and we'd continue this process until we got the sit. However, my motivation behind putting a dog away now for 30 seconds or so Um, is very different I use it more as if your dog is unable to respond to you to a very well-known command there's a couple of reasons one if and again we're going to go with he knows this command yeah I know a lot of I know a lot of people think their dog knows a command but if you do the same thing I just talked about how you're adding in a sit before down yeah then your dog doesn't know it this is the dog has to know the command If the dog's unable, then either I've just not practiced in that environment, and it's not the dog's fault, and I need to get out of that environment, or the dog's brain is overloaded, and it needs to go decompress somewhere and drain its brain. And that is how I'm normally using what I used to call timeout. And I don't even really use it that much anymore. It's mostly um, just, you know give the dog a topple, put them in another room, let them decompress, maybe a couple minutes, or hey, if we're at the park, let's put the dog in the car for a couple of minutes just to decompress, maybe a licky mat, maybe just some water, just to chill for a minute. But it's more about decompression, so the dog has the ability to continue to learn and continue to be responsive. If you want to look at it as a timeout in any way, think of it as more as a timeout for the human so that they don't lose their shit. Yeah. But I don't... Use it as a, you're not minding, so you're getting grounded. Exactly. I don't use it like that yeah. anymore. Yeah. So, yes, still doing things like that, but it's more of decompression of, I'm sorry, buddy, I put too much on your brain. Why don't you just go take a quick nap or just want you go chill out for a couple of minutes? You do this with Myers. I do. So, um, he can get overstimulated. Very easily. And go, like, over threshold. Um, if something startles him or if there's something outside that he's barking at once like the whole that's enough thing or redirect doesn't work and you know like his bark changes it totally changes and he's like I don't hear anything Mm -mm. it's like okay because we did it last night nap time yeah (laughs) and it was close to bedtime his bedtime's like nine he's he's like me yeah it was like 8 8 15 (laughs) last night and he was really barking hard. And usually he's really good at that's enough. But he was not stopping. And that was a, all right, buddy, let's, it's time to go take a quick nap before yeah. bedtime. So you're just going to go hang out in the crate uh, for, and I was only going to do like 20 or 30 minutes, but he ended up falling asleep. He fell asleep. So I think we get, left him in there for what, 45 or something? Yeah. And then we let him back out, let him finish his potty, do those things. And he ended up sleeping with you. 
he didn't take very many naps yesterday no. so and you know. so and that is the thing is so for me it was more of dude you're just you can't handle this right now you definitely just need to you need a little nap you need some direction yes and that was my <laughs> that's my way of looking at it. so again similar to a timeout but again my motivation is different instead of me going well you're getting a timeout because you're not listening it's you need to go decompress because you have the inability right now because you've not had enough rest today yeah two di- so it's really two different things even though what i'm doing is similar but i'm leaving him in there longer than i would a timeout mm-hmm. because he needs to decompress so i was at my mom's a little while ago and uh her little dog bennett he's he's so cute he's so cute he's a a multi poo uh, no he's a she poo she poo yeah uh he was playing with isabella isabella was giving great signals and he's not been around many dogs right and he was respecting them um but he was he was getting a little overboard because he wanted to play so bad and my mom's like bennett that's enough and he went and put himself in his crate did he really yeah, he just went and laid in there. He's like, I just need a minute anyway. He was like, hang on, I need a break. <laughs> you know what? Myers has started doing that, It though. was the funniest thing. I mean, because she's... And I love that. She's not made the crate, like, um, a, a... It's not a punishment. Like a punishment. No. She's made it, like, his little safe place. He's got his little chew bone in there, his bed. Like, it's a comfy place for him to be. Yeah. Um, She'll be getting ready to go somewhere, and he'll go put himself in the crate. He's like, okay, you're leaving. I'm going to go in my little room. It's his room, yeah. I'm going to my spot. Uh, but I got so tickled. I love it. Because he's like, I can't handle this right now. I'm going to have to go back <laughs> in my crate. <laughs> it's funny because it's like, I remember doing that with uh, Trace, my first Roddy. I had a couple clients come into my facility, and she was barking at them. And being a Rottweiler, you don't want them to sit and bark too long once you know that they're safe people. Yeah. And she just was not having it. And I think it was because they really weren't paying her attention like she wanted. Mm -hmm. And I just stopped having this conversation with them. And I said, I'm sorry, excuse me. And I looked at her and I said, Trace, if you can't act like somebody, you need to go in the other room. And I am not kidding you. And Shirley will tell you this to this day. (laughs) She stopped barking, looked at me, turned around and walked out, went into the other room. And probably five or ten minutes later, she came back, quiet, and got all kinds of loving. And and when she came back out, I was like, you think you can act like somebody now? And she did. And she, it's funny, she to knew to decompress. She knew that <laughs> she needed a moment to just go and chill out. And I loved it. But, you know, I'll catch him do that. Myers will do that sometimes where he realizes he's having a rough moment. Or the house is too chaotic because I'm too chaotic. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I just need to go to my crate. He's now using the bed. He's going under the bed. Yeah. Quite a bit now because he does like. It's a safe spot. He likes to be enclosed. He's always done that, you know, since we've had him. But I do think it is important that we don't just allow our dogs to choose to give themselves decompression time or give themselves a timeout, quotation marks. We need to start doing a better job at being that upper management and saying, you know what, you're just, you're struggling. Why don't you go take a nap real quick? Yeah. It's like I have a, a, you know, one of my clients who's like, I'm home all day and I really want my dog out with me, but what we're doing is not, you know, the teaching and the training is not really going well. Should I put her in the crate when I'm home? I just feel so bad. Absolutely put that dog in the crate because that dog being a puppy doesn't have the ability to go all day. 
Yeah. Your dogs are younger than children at kindergarten, and even kindergartners still get nap time. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, make sure that your dog's getting rest, and especially if you're working from home or your kids are at home, they, the dogs need to have a quiet place to go and have nap time. I don't care if they're laying on the couch napping because they're not going to nap fully if you got kids or you're walking back and forth from your office to the kitchen to the bathroom, going to get the mail, the delivery driver, mail truck. So, they yeah. That spa room. They need a spa room. I like it. Which can be a crate. Absolutely yeah. can be a crate. All righty. All right, next. Um. So this next one is about how you teach greeting guests. <laughs> So how how did you do it before? So we do have a website. Yes, we have a website. We also have a video <laughs> on that website. Y'all, I'm not even drinking. I am actually I had one little beer and now I'm back to water and I've guzzled water today. So yes, the way that I used to teach, and you can see the video on the website, I will still teach it this way sometimes. What I would do is I was I'm all about taking away the majority of the responsibility from the human in a way that we don't have to depend on the human to remember what they need to be doing in order to get their dog to respond. So it goes back to that teaching a dog to sit and stay when guests arrive. Well, if you don't have a dog that has impulse control, you're going to have a hard time with that. If you don't practice it in steps and setting it up and not just waiting until you have company you're going to struggle with that plus if you have let's just say for an example you have ups drop something off but they need you to sign and you think okay well nobody's coming in the house so i'm not going to tell my dog to sit and stay and next thing you know the dog is jumping on the person barging the door running out the door whatever the case may be mm-hmm. because you didn't say sit stay so I think that we need to take it away from the humans to where we're not having to tell the dog 14 things to do and welcome our guest into the home. So I would teach three-step process of one, teach the dog how to get me to go to the door. The purpose of this was to teach the dog that barking was okay, but too much barking is not necessary. Jumping and attacking the door is not necessary. I'm just looking for some control barking. That would typically make me get up and then go to the door because here's the thing. Because greeting guests is a huge complaint that we get. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this last week. Did, Did we? Yeah. Um, somebody knocks on the door, dog runs and jumps in the door and barks. You immediately get up and you're moving towards the door. Therefore, you just reinforced your dog for that behavior, even if you do put them in a sit-stay. So the first step, I like to teach dogs how to get me there. A little barking, self-controlled, not jumping or anything like that. The second step is I like to create space at the door. So I would use my body to back the dog up to create that space. Now, I would not use words for this. I would just use action. So I would use like the split up where I would create distance. And then when the dog was at a certain distance, I would turn to the door to start opening the door. The dog moved, closed the door, backed the dog up. Once we were able to get that to where the guest was close to coming in, we would then have that third step, which is giving the dog permission to greet. Mm -hmm. Now, I will still teach it that way with certain dogs, mostly adult dogs who already exhibit a little bit more impulse control. I have been your assistant on this exercise. A lot. And so (laughs) is Gray. And so is Gray and Alicia (laughs) has too, bless her heart. And usually (laughs) are the ones that get jumped all over. I don't 
I don't teach it with every dog that way because number one, I a lot of young dogs don't have the inner workings that they need in order to be successful at this. So I like to be a little bit more directive now. Mm-hmm. So typically a place or I will do a distance with a stay. Mm-hmm. But I'm teaching the stay separately. I'm not I don't care about the sit. Just a simple stay or even doing a place with stay. I use place for a lot of things. Place with a stay. That can be very successful with greeting guests with young dogs. Young dogs, I'm doing a place. Maybe I'm going to anchor them with a leash attached to a harness, attached to something, um, and then I'm going to give them a bone or something to chew on as guests are coming into the house so that you're teaching them that when guests come to the door, then a maybe a treat or a chew bone or something happens in a certain spot, and you're actually teaching them that that cue at the door is to say, do this behavior, go lay here, go mm-hmm. get this. But it needs to be something sometimes more. I used to just use the guest as the reward, unless I have a dog. This is not for dogs that are scared of people at the door. These are only for dogs that are happy. Yeah. Now, instead of that, I'm giving them, here's a chew bone, something to chew on there. And then once the guest gets settled and you've relaxed, then you can come out and say hi. So you're getting best of both worlds. And it's something you're doing with Isabella now. Yeah, and we talked about it last week with when we were talking about uh, motivation and rewards. Oh yeah, that's right. Because um, we had a lot of people over here the other night. The other night, yeah, and you used. I say did. a lot of people, not a ton, but, but we had people a lot that we've here, had in a long time. We had people here that Isabella loves. And, and, you know, in our po- in the po- last podcast, we talked about our neighbors, our oh, next yeah. door neighbors, and they're here. Yeah, they came over. They're yep. suddenly here, and. Uh, who, oh gosh, now I'm like, who else did we have here? <laughs> oh, Chelsea. Chelsea's one of her favorite people. I mean, Chelsea's a cat person, but yeah. So, I'm sorry, like, I dropped my pen. As soon as I saw Chelsea pull in, because she was the first one here, yep. I was like, here's your bully stick. Yep. And Chelsea's like, oh, she's not jumping on me. I was like, she can't. She's got the bully <laughs> stick. She can't jump with something in her mouth. She's like, oh, I'm, I have to go lay down. It's good to see you. I'll see you in 20 minutes. Yep. And then she came out, and she came outside, and she was much calmer. Yep. Um, she got in Jeff's lap, but he... He loves He invited he loves her. It. Yep, he loves it. Not because she just jumped up there on her own. So, yeah, it was... I think we've looked at that for so long as, like, bribery. Yeah. When it's really like, hey, guess what? It's like... If you grew up in a family where when your grandparents came to the house, you always got a gift. Yeah. But you had to act right. Well, that was the whole because thing, yeah. Papa would beat your ass <laughs> if <laughs> we don't we don't beat dogs and we don't advocate beating children, no. obviously. But you know what I mean. Like Papa would get on to you. Right. If you didn't act right. Right. But you knew yeah. that you were gonna get a gift. And so you know, I mean, it, that's sort of the same concept. Like, oh, I get a gift and I get to see my favorite people. And that was a thing. I don't when, have yeah, to jump all over When them. my parents had friends over, uh, my cousin and her husband, they would come over and play cards. And we always got to play the Atari mm-hmm. when they came over. We didn't get to play the Atari because I don't think we had an adapter. We had to use big D batteries. And Lord knows you never had D batteries in the house. Oh, God, they're so expensive. Jeez, too. right? So 
we would get to play Atari. So knowing they were coming over, you get to say hi and see them. But my parents didn't want to be bothered while they were having beverages and playing Rook. So we'd get the Atari. And so that positive association with that. Yeah. And I do think that I've seen over time how Isabella is getting better. Even when she doesn't have a bully stick, she's getting a little bit better mm-hmm. in general. Um, and I've been doing place with him. Yeah. So I do think that in those moments there's something so exciting that typically dogs are going to struggle a bit more. And that's why I say that if the dog is older and has good impulse control and people just want, they're more having an issue of they want their guests to have space and be able to come in without their dog bombarding them, mm-hmm. then I might go back to my greeting guests because I do think that creates really good self-control. But if I have dogs that are really outgoing and, and just really excited, I'm going to give them something. And even if you have to put them behind a baby gate to start with, that's okay. It's okay to put them back there. Let the person come in and chill out 20 or 30 minutes. Let them out. And then they're probably going to be a lot calmer. But don't just put them behind something. Don't just put them in the crate. Give them something to do. Yeah. Not just because I know people are like, well, I've done that. I put them in the crate and then I let them out 30 minutes later. They're still that crazy. No, no you got to like, give them something to do. Giving your enrichment. kid a coloring book. Yes. Something. You know, I mean, like, yeah. Something, yeah. So, yeah. So, I still kind of work that way, but I definitely, I look at it differently mm-hmm. depending on what that dog needs and depending on what the owners need. Totally makes sense. Yeah. Um, I'm going to skip your next one because I think this next one is super important. And this is about follow through. And since I've known you, follow through has been your, like, almost like your mantra. Like you have to follow through. If I, if I say do this, you got to follow through with it. Um, but apparently your follow through has changed. So, yes and no. Uh, There are, so yes, I was of the thought process, if I tell you to do something, you're going to do it. So it kind of goes back to how I was using timeouts, Mm -hmm. right? If I tell you to do it, I'm going to give you a couple of chances. And if you don't do it, you're going to lose privilege. And then you're going to come out here and you're going to do it. And we're not doing anything else until you do that thing. Yeah. That's how I used to handle follow through. Now... It is definitely different because if my dog is not responding to me, my first thought is, is it the environment? Is it I'm not asking right? Have I taught my dog to respond in this type of environment? Is my dog well-rested enough or have the brain capacity to be responsive to me? If they don't, then I don't, then what's the point of forcing them to do it, Mm -hmm. right? I do believe follow-through is very important when it comes to someone that is handling the dog in a multi-human household. So, for an example, if I have, say, and this one drives me crazy, when somebody's, like, trying to get a dog to go to a room, and we'll just say, wife is saying, you know, Buford, let's go to your room. Buford, let's go. And Buford's not going, right? And the daddy goes, Buford, listen to your mama. Go to your room. Come on, Buford, go to your room. I don't like that. Mama started it. Mama needs to finish it. Mama needs to go get Buford and calmly just walk Buford back. Say, buddy, I know you don't want to be back there, but I need you to go to your room right now. That's what follow through at this point means to me. I have never been the believer of pushing butts on floors just to make a dog do something or lay on a leash, step on a leash to make a dog lay down. Mm -hmm. I know that's what a lot of people are thinking with follow through. I've never been of that. I've never 
physically forced a dog to do a behavior, but I sure did emotionally through timeouts, which yeah, is and not, which is probably maybe more harmful than pushing the butt on the floor. Mm. I mean, when you think about the mental aspect of it, is yeah. a dog really being, you know, is it really bad to push their butt on the floor? No. Are they really learning? No. Um, I don't like to be physical like that. And I go to say, it's more important that the dog does the behavior than you getting the behavior. Mm -hmm. That's my new motto, right? Mm -hmm. I'd rather a dog just do it than me change what I have to do just to get it. Yeah. Because there may be a good reason why I'm not getting it. And it's probably not the end of the world. And if we're talking about something like coming when called, don't let your dogs off leash anywhere that's dangerous to where you're like, well, I can't do that. Well, then that's your fault. Set your dog up for success. We don't set dogs up for failure just to punish them. Set them up for success and teach them what you want um, so that follow-through is very simple. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense about what I mean with follow-through? No, it does because, you know, thinking about having the dogs that we have now (laughs) – um, or even our, our past dogs, you know, if I told one of them to do something and you're like, well, you got to get up, you got to get up off the couch because yep. you told them to do it. So you got to follow through. And I'm like, damn it. Do I? Yeah. So, I mean, yes, I get that there's still part of that weird. Absolutely, you have to. Like, I asked you to do this for a reason. Yeah, like, if I, like, that's enough. You have to follow through if that's enough. Yeah. That absolutely. is one of those. Absolutely. There are a couple of mine that I will follow through. That's enough. Mm-hmm. And. Come. Come. And that may mean come means I go get you and walk you back. Mm-hmm. Not punishing you, but I am going to go get you. Yeah. Which is a pain in the butt sometimes absolutely so that's why i use this way most of the time the easiest thing to do when your dog isn't coming and they're in the backyard is just to leave them alone just leave them alone and go back in the house how many times have you gone out with it uh, pouring rain storming and lightning that your dog won't come how many times have i actually gone back there and walked and gotten her exactly a lot exactly and tell us what happened today oh my god well no let's start with the other day okay uh, she was in the back of the yard, and she was kind of barking, hopping around. She thinks they're like there's squirrels and armadillos back there, a but colony also of some that animal. herding breed. She needs to deal with that. It's chaos in her backyard, and she needs to it's deal fine. with it. There's nothing there, but it's okay. You don't know. It's not there she's now because she well, took she's care of associated it. the fence and the tree with squirrels and yep. birds and armadillos and snakes and blah 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 blah. Um, so I was just standing on the porch. And I just did a hand motion, like, come here. I didn't say anything. I was like, come on. Which I'm like, she doesn't know what that means. And I'm not giving her a command. But she did it anyway. If she comes, fine. I was tired. I was like so tired. I'd just woken up. I may have still been in my underwear. Like, let's be real. I I don't know. I didn't want the neighbors to see me over the fence. And I just like motioned. And she saw me. And she ran back to the house. Because I've been reinforcing that. You have. You've really been reinforcing it uh, a lot. But also you've gone out to get her to oh, be like, look, I'm man. asking you to come in. And a lot of times we're asking her to come in because we've had a lot of really close <sighs> lightning strikes. Oh, my God. This past summer, this whole summer. So her being out there is not safe. Y'all with dogs who are afraid of storms, I'm so sorry. 
Sorry about that. Y'all just hit my mic. I don't understand that. I don't understand it because I have a dog that when it starts storming, wants to go outside and stand in it. She's like a yep. storm chaser. Not a girl. And I'm like, you have to come inside. And she's standing under a tree. I know. I'm like, oh my Lose. gosh. This is not safe. I don't know why y'all, everybody wants border collies. So I have to go out and get her. <laughs> so anyway, so fast forward to today. I took her over to my mom's because she's bored. Like she's, she's doing weird stuff in the house. She's <laughs> she, staring at me a lot, which is unusual because I, I'm not her person. She's doing some obsessive behaviors um, as border collies, as herding breeds do yes. when they're bored. I was like, all right, we got to go do something. So I took her over to my mom's and my mom if you don't know, lives on, um, like in the woods, a basically. good bit of acreage her landlord has. And so yep. there's some pastures and a pond and Isabella likes to herd the frogs into the pond. She doesn't catch them. She just goes and herds them into the pond. And so today there were five turkeys out in the pasture and I'd already let Isabella like, you know, free dog go do your thing. And then I saw them. I was like, well, Let's see how this goes. <laughs> I said, Mom, do they have an escape route? She's like, well, they can fly over the fence. I was like, are they fast enough? <laughs> like, you know these turkeys. You see them every day. Are they okay? Because uh, if she catches one, you know, not going to be good. And she's like, yeah, they'll be fine. So Isabella's sniffing around. She doesn't even know they're there. And then suddenly I see her. She does the border collie stare. And I was like... She sees them. She starts walking on her back feet, like bipedal, standing like a human. And then she starts jumping with just two feet. <laughs> she looks like a deer. She doesn't. She never actually chased them, but she was kind of chasing them. Really? It was more like fun, you know? Was she off leash at this point? She was off leash the whole time, yeah. Okay. Did you give her permission to chase the turkey? I, well, she was free dog. Okay. I, I'd given her free dog. Okay. Um, we give that to our dogs to let them know they don't have to worry about us until we give any further instruction. Yeah. So I, I was like, you know, she, she can go to you. If there's she doesn't even have to keep up with me. Yeah. Free dog is, I will watch you. You just go be you. And that takes a lot of practice. Yes, so it does. So we haven't gone into that, I know, ever on this podcast. But... um. Not saying that y'all can't do it. But it's, we haven't talked about we it. We haven't talked about it. Um, so I was like, well, all right. She's not going to get it. Like, she's not going to get one of them. And she's like chasing them, hopping. It was the weirdest little hop. And so. God dang. I'm sorry. I keep hitting my mic did, and I am why are sorry. you hitting your mic? I don't know. I'm trying to turn you up because you get to mumbling. Anyway, I called her. <laughs> I did a recall just to see what she turned on a dime and she came back to me and she wasn't afraid of them. She was having a good time. She was like, this is so much fun, mama. But once she like herded them out of the field and uh -huh. they were on the other side of the fence. She was like, I did my job. She's like, I did my job. And she came right back. What a good girl. I know. It was amazing. And she used to have a really good recall when she was like really, 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 really young and scared to do anything. But then it went to shit in a handbag. Well, then she got some confidence. And she so got some confidence. Like, no, and those instincts kicked in. But it's also one yeah. of those things that you have been so scared to have her off leash. 
that you've not practiced it enough. You've had that fear. Mm-hmm. And then today, you not today, you've been practicing off-leash work with her at your mom's. Yeah, because it's a safe environment. Absolutely. And I and it's paid off. Minus the horses that might kick her. Everything you've done <laughs> has paid off today. Yeah. And that means that the dog's going to get a little more freedom. And you can be a little less paranoid and scared. I think it's so important that we practice it. And I also think it's a great idea to have opportunities to safely allow your dog to do a little prey drive, a little hunt drive, a little chasing, a little things like that. Because then if we're giving them that outlet like that enrichment, we're not going to have it happening in those moments. It's not necessarily appropriate. Exactly. So, yeah, I'm so proud of you on that. Like, really proud. Good job. Well, then we're relieving. Can I tell the story? Yes, please do. Do we have time to tell the story? Yeah. Okay. Quickly. We're we're at a... I know. We're... 106. We're getting up there. Um... Every time we're leaving my mom's, she knows because I'm going to put something in my car because my mom's giving me something, right? Like hopefully food, dinner or, you know, I mean, there's something I've left over there or she borrowed and is giving back and she knows what's up. And so I'm like, all right, let's go. And she runs. She just runs. I'm like, damn it. So she did it today. And I texted Nikki. I was like. Nope, she's running. It's going to be another 30 And minutes. I just said, did you call her? Yeah, of course I did. Yeah, I do. And usually when I do, it doesn't matter. Um, Today, okay, it took three times. It, it took three times, but I let her run around for a second. Good. Go sniff, do her perimeter check, and then I called her back, and she came. Usually I have to go like climb under a barbed wire fence her. and go get her. Um, but all that follow through, I think for her is like, well, I'm going to end up there anyway. Yeah. And, but if I go early, I'll probably get good rewards. Oh, she got but all she kinds still of gets rewards for coming even a little later. And I do think that. Oh, I totally gave her treats. Yeah. Even I think coming when called, times. I don't care how yeah. many times it gets me. If my dog comes to me, even if it takes me 20 minutes, I'm going to reward the shit out of my dog. And then I'm going to make sure that I don't set myself up for a failure to take 20 minutes next time. Right? Mm-hmm. I think that's what a lot of times people do. And then they, they put the dog in situations that they're not capable of responding to and they've not taught it. And then they don't reward it because they're mad. And the dog learns to just not come to you because don't know what I'm going to get. Yeah. That is a behavior I will reward. I don't care how long. If I have to go get little man and he's gone across the street a couple of times to these dogs over here. Yeah. When I've called him and he's probably 95% on come. But those yeah, two five percent has been yeah his recall's pretty good yeah he's been across the street and I would just go get him and then I'd get him I'm like buddy come on man let's go right and it's because I don't want him to to be afraid of me while I'm coming to get him because then I'm going to be running through the neighborhood mm-hmm. I do want him to know that look that's not what I need you to do but I know next time then he's going to have a long line on when we go out there and those dogs are there and I'm going to work on coming when called when those dogs are out right. That's what we need to be thinking about. And all that work you put in with her paid off today. Yep. So good job. We still have a road. We still have a road. Road to go. That's all right. We, Because why? As humans, we change. As dogs grow, they change. You're not going to train a dog and it's going to be good for life. Mm-hmm. I mean, a dog is just like a human. We evolve. Your dog's going to evolve. And I encourage you all to evolve and don't just be satisfied with being mediocre and don't be satisfied with your dog being mediocre because if your dog's mediocre then they're probably bored and frustrated yeah 
So it, think of it as safety, upper management, but also giving your dog's brain information that it needs and wants. All right. Is that is that all we had on there? Was there another one? Oh no, there's a lot more. All right, so we're just gonna have to do. We're gonna do a part two. We're gonna have to do a part two, I guess. We have to do a part two on it. All right. Sorry. Well. <laughs> we're going to stop it on this one right here and, and we'll figure out. I you think guys, we've overloaded everybody. We anyway. probably have. Our so. apologies. If you have things that you're wondering about that maybe you've heard and you're wondering, is this real? Do, does my dog have to do this? Then guys, shoot us an email. You Let us know. You saw it in a Facebook group. You saw a Facebook group. Your neighbor if, told if you? Neighbor, right? <laughs> a, a trainer has told you something. If you have any question on anything related to dogs of what you're not sure to believe or not, shoot us an email. And we will record part two. We'll have to record it. Oh, goodness. It may not be with you. It may be with Gray. But I will be recording probably over the weekend. So if you have a question, send it to us this week. If you send it to us this week, then we can put it on this for part two. Awesome. See, I was going to do these as two separate ones, Mythbusters and Evolution. And... Now we just put them together, but we'll do two parts anyway. Yeah. All right. So, um, great. That was fun. That was fun. Good. Uh, shoot us any questions if you guys um, are wondering, hey, is this even real or not? Shoot us a question. Uh, info at dogspeak101.com. Be sure you go and buy those wonderful products on that website of ours. Um, we're going to be having the new logos for the podcast. will be in probably the next couple of weeks. Um, we do not have any of the old logo stickers left. We have given them all out. Uh, they are all gone. So we got the new ones coming. And if you don't know what the new logo looks like, go look at it on whatever app you're listening to. Because yeah. I don't know it's how they I don't know how they all pop up. But nope, it's changed. Awesome. It's awesome. Um, oh, I mean, I know it's changed because I saw it. But make sure you guys are looking at it. Thank you, Carrie, for that. It, it looks phenomenal. And, um, yeah, that's it. And make sure you guys sign up for the seminars, online reactive dog workshop, our nose work classes, all those fun things. Check us out. Make sure you're following on TikTok. Even if you're not a TikTok user, go sign up and follow us. You don't have to do anything, but just watch us. And, uh, yeah, that's it. Britt, you got anything left? That's all I got. That's all I got. I, I'll let you all know how uh, Isabella does camping next week. That's right. She's they're going camping all next week, so good luck Actually, with that. Actually, camping's not the issue. It's her staying in a hotel next week. You're right. Yeah, she's good in Alone. With the tent and stuff. This will be her first time in a hotel room. They're like, what kind of camping are you doing? You're camping and then you're working Yeah, in a hotel, at a hotel. So, yeah. All right. So, guys, we love you. We appreciate you. Hope you have a great rest of the week.